Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by Annunciation Designs, helping your family call to mind the sacred in the midst of the ordinary. Visit AnnunciationDesigns.com. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 52. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today is part three of our series on Humane Vitae. Today's chat is with Jessica Hartman, birth mom advocate at Good Shepherd Children and Family Services in St. Louis. Jessica shares her unique experience helping expecting parents with their adoption plan, as well as her experience being an adoptive mom herself. Jessica offers advice for those just beginning to consider adoption, and I ask some tough questions I've been wondering for a while. Can a birth mom change her mind about adoption? Are there barriers for parents loving their adoptive children like their biological children? To access bonus episodes with Jessica and other past guests, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash diapersanddisciples. Thanks for listening in today. Here's my chat with Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I would love to start off and ask you a little bit about you and your work and your family. Sure. Well, um, I'm 35 in the spring, which I can't even believe. Um, (laughs) I am married to my husband, Travis. We've been married for almost 13 years now. We have three kids. Um, Stella's six, Margo's three and a half, and Isaiah's I guess about 16 months now. So um, Stella and Margot joined our family. Um, they're our biological children. And then we um, were fortunate enough to adopt Isaiah from birth last summer. Wow. Is something is adoption something you had always uh, considered, always had been in the back of your mind, or did it kind of come up, come up suddenly? Um, really, it's kind of something that we had been talking about, gosh, I don't know, probably since about 2008 or nine, before we ever started a family, we had been talking about wanting to have a family through adoption at some point. Um, but we didn't know exactly timing wise how it would work out, but we really saw it as part of our family's story eventually. Beautiful. I love that. Um, so when you think about living out the great commission as a mom, what comes to mind for you? Oh, wow. That's, such a good question. Um, you know, I really can't think of any higher calling for myself than to raise little humans. Um, I'm just so thankful for for my kids and um, just to be able to show them the love of Jesus in our home. And we have that quote from Mother Teresa, which I'm sure you've probably heard before on our wall. The It's, you know, something along the lines of, if you want to love the whole world, go home and love your family. And I just feel mm. that that is exactly that's exactly where it starts and where it begins. And so I find myself often, you know, just, just having to kind of check where I am in life and what I'm doing and making sure that my focus is aligned with, um, with where my kids are coming first. Yeah. I love that so much. That's beautiful. That's one of my favorite quotes from mother Teresa as well. I think that's great. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about your work? Because I believe, uh, through your work, you work you work a lot with um, birth mothers and kind of walking them through the adoption process. Is that right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's exactly right. That's that's really my role. Um, so I work at Good Shepherd Children and Family Services in St. Louis, Missouri. I work there part time, and 
I work with um, expectant parents who want to consider making an adoption plan. Um, I'm the counselor that walks them through kind of that whole process. Um, And it's just, it's a role that I love and I just feel so privileged to even be able to be a small part of families' adoption stories. That's so neat. So how do, um, how do birth parents find you? If people are, uh, like looking to maybe consider adoption or, um, I mean, are you able to even reach people before they're even at that point? Um, yeah, so expectant moms typically will find us um, really in a variety of different ways. So they may have been thinking about an adoption plan and then maybe did an online search. And so they might have found us that way, or they come to us through a lot of different referral sources as well. So if they went to a pregnancy resource center um, and mentioned maybe that they were considering adoption, they may become connected with us that way, maybe their doctor through their prenatal care visits, or even just family members or friends or priests or pastors. Um, so it really happens kind of in a variety of different ways, but they would contact us, kind of let us know that that's what they were thinking about. Mm-hmm. And then I typically meet them in person to kind of understand where they're coming from. And we start working towards that adoption plan if that's how they want to continue. Hmm. Wow. I can imagine that's just such a vulnerable place to be for um for those moms, those parents to be considering, um, the adoption process, um, maybe for the first time. Um, so when you, when you meet with an expectant mom, um, is there a typical like plan that you go through or things that you cover like in your first meeting with them? Yeah. So it really depends because, um, you know, women will come to us at all stages of their pregnancy. So the conversation looks different depending on that. So maybe if they're wanting to start discussing adoption and they find out that they are maybe eight weeks along, that conversation looks different than a mom who calls us who just delivered at the hospital. Um, because wow, yeah. the timing is just so different. Um, but we really try to meet expectant moms and sometimes it's expectant parents too. Just the dad is also included sometimes, um, depending on if he wants to be. And so we really just meet them where they are. Um, and it's about, you know, kind of figuring out what it is they want. And for me, it's helping them understand what adoption is and what adoption isn't, because there are so many preconceived ideas of what adoption looks like today and their perspective may be coming from what adoption looked like decades ago. Sure. Yeah. Um, do you get many calls that like that where um, someone has just delivered a child and then has decided um, to pursue adoption? Um, you know, sometimes we do. And it's not always that it's the first time a mom has thought about adoption. It might just be the first time she took the steps towards making that plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may have been something she'd been considering for, you know, weeks or months or even the duration of her pregnancy. And she just had had a hard time kind of making that next step. So it really, you know, it varies, but sometimes it is that they've, you know, delivered the child and maybe just decided that it's not something they feel that they're equipped to handle. Hmm. Wow. What a brave and strong choice to be making. Um, I just, I'm just, Putting, trying to put myself in that position position and imagining how vulnerable a place it is and how courageous it must be to to make that call um, to pursue um, to be willing to pursue adoption if they feel like that's you know that's where they need to be oh absolutely I mean I 
I say unabashedly that um, birth parents are my heroes, and I truly believe that. It's the most gut-wrenching, sacrificial, um, incredible, and loving decision someone can make is to say, you know, I want to do this, but I'm just not able to, and so I want to create a family for someone else. Um, There's really just nothing more moving than that, and, um, and it's really, really hard, and there's a lot of grief that goes along with it too, but it's what a powerful and life-giving decision that they've made. Mm, Wow. So then uh, do you, you mentioned the grief, do you work with parents um, after they've uh, chosen adoption for their child as well with the process um, kind of on the back end of things? Yes, that's really important to us. Um, We work with women before, during, and after um, delivery. And we strongly encourage, you know, the moms that we work with to follow up with counseling, um, whether it be with us or with an organization that we can refer her to, because sometimes it's hard for a birth mom to come back and speak with the person who was there with them when they made that very difficult decision. Oh, right. Um, but we always try to encourage them to um, to make sure that they're taking advantage of that counseling from other referral sources, too, if they don't feel comfortable um, continuing to work with me, for example. But then there are moms who, um, you know, we do continue to meet and we talk through what it's like. And it's just it's really hard. I mean, when you're with a mom and you see a baby leave the hospital with someone else, there's really mm. I mean, it's it's really, really challenging. So I think that's sometimes the part of adoption that people don't always realize, or sometimes Mm. there's this thought that when someone makes the decision to place their child for adoption, it was because they didn't want to raise the child. And sometimes that oftentimes really, that's not the case. They, they Mm. would love to raise their child. They just know that for whatever reason, maybe it's mental illness or, um, you know, family issues or relationship issues that they just wouldn't be able to provide for that child. But if they could, they certainly would. Hmm. Wow. I can imagine that would be such a, a sensitive time and a, um, a sensitive issue. Is there any sort of like Um, I'm not really sure how to describe it, but like leeway time-wise where after um, a birth mom makes the decision um, to choose adoption, if, you know, for some reason they think maybe that it was the wrong decision, are they able to, I don't know, (laughs) I don't exactly don't know how to ask it, but is there any kind of leeway there? Yeah. Excuse me. So every state has different laws regarding adoption. Um, So it really kind of depends on the state in which the baby is born. Um, For example, um, you know, in the state that we're in, in Missouri, um, a mom does not need to sign. Well, she doesn't need to sign her consent until she's ready to do so. Um, But she cannot sign any earlier than 48 hours. And so, like I said, other states may have different um, different time frames, but um, there are a lot of, you know, legal, legal parts to it where maybe a mom, you know, she should never feel any sort of pressure to sign sooner than what law requires, certainly. And then if she needs to take more time, then she can. Um, as far as if a mom were to change her mind, um, you know, that that does happen. Um, and it really kind of, it's somewhat up to 
how an agency would handle that. And that's why I would say it's really important to work with a, an agency that adheres to very, very high ethical standards. Um, but from an adoptive parent's perspective, I know that there's that fear often that, well, what if, you know, what if she changes her mind or she comes back? Um, that's really not something we see a lot of. And, you know, once a parent has signed their termination of parental rights, um, and that was handled, you know, carefully and delicately and hopefully with attorneys involved, um, unless there was some sort of, you know, coercion or um, force or they were under some sort of mental distress, that really isn't something that um, that that would usually be gone back on, if that makes sense. Um, but these are always the, the times in which that we think it's really important to make sure proper legal counsel is sought as well. Right. Wow. How long have you had this position for, or how long have you been working with um, expectant moms for? Um, I've been at Good Shepherd for, I guess, about a year and a half. So it'll be a couple years in the spring. Wonderful. I was wondering if, like, during that time, your approach or perspective has changed at all, like from when you first arrived to where you're at now. Oh, I definitely think it has changed. Um, and so whenever I began my position at Good Shepherd, my family was in the adoption process personally, um, oh, okay. aside from Good Shepherd, not really having anything to do um, to do with that, um, except for the fact that this position has to do with, an ad- with adoption and, and I have a heart for adoption. But um, other than that, I really, I mean, it wasn't connected. Um, so while I kind of began my process at Good Shepherd, my family was also matched with um, our son, Isaiah, and we went through the adoption process. So it was really like the most excellent training I possibly could have had um, because we were just kind of thrown into it and we walked through all of those steps. And, um, you know, we personally experienced, you know, what it's like from an adoptive family's perspective and then just, you know, meeting Isaiah's birth mom, um, and just how much we love her and respect her and we have an open adoption. And so, um, I think that really has changed my perspective greatly, but also helped me do my job, um, in a better way and a more understanding and a more compassionate way, because I've, I've seen that side of it as well. Um, so I think, you know, I had probably, thought of some stereotypes before I started with working with birth moms. And so now I feel like a lot of my job is just encouraging others to let go of those stereotypes and really look at birth parents with an open mind and realizing that they don't all fit into one category. Sometimes people will think, oh, well, they must be a teenager or, oh, they must be using substances or, you know, they start making these, um, you know, broad statements when in reality, many of the birth moms that I work with, most of them are in their late 20s or early 30s, or they they already have kids a lot of times, so it's not their first pregnancy. Um, and many times they're not abusing any sort of substances. So it's just one of those things where you really kind of have to to ask yourself, you know, what are you, what kind of assumptions are you coming in with? Because you really can't, there are all sorts of different individuals coming to adoption for a variety of different reasons. Hmm. Wow. That's really interesting. I feel like that really opens my eyes up because I think I I do have some preconceived notions um, when it comes to that. Um, So for you and your family, um, you said you have an open adoption with Isaiah. So does that mean he's able to see his birth mom um, like throughout the year or what does that look like? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, with our adoption, we have kind of an openness agreement that we adhere to um, based on what Isaiah's birth mom and what our family agreed to before we even accepted the match. Um, and so for us, because we're we're separated geographically by several states, um, it looks like a one time a year um, visit. And then we just have ongoing communication, usually via text or social media, that sort of thing. But for every adoption, it looks different. Um, it can it can take on all different, um, you know, different ways. And if someone is adopting locally, then um, it might look like, you know, visits regularly once a month or once every few months. Hmm. Would you say open adoption is pretty common? I think today it is. It is a lot more common and it's really something that we encourage. Um, you know, we can never force that on um, birth parents, if that's not what they want, or if adoptive parents aren't willing to participate in that, then that's not something we're going to ask people to commit to necessarily. Um, but we see so many benefits of openness. Um, and so, you know, I do think that it's really something that individuals should consider. And it's not co-parenting, which sometimes that's what people imagine. Um, it's not that at all. I think it's more like having an extended family member um, and, you know, kind of building that relationship like you would with someone who's part of your family. So um, I think it's really special. I think it's better for the child. It's not always possible, though. So um, it just kind of depends on on what people hope for. And so kind of just have to be flexible and um, you know, just trust that the Lord is in control and you just kind of be ready for for what comes. Hmm. That's really neat. I, I can imagine that would be helpful a lot of times probably for the birth mom as well um, with, you know, choosing to do an open adoption and um, still being able to see, you know, that child um, grow up a little bit and still be a part in some way, um, you know, of watching, of watching them grow up and, um, yeah, I think that's a really beautiful option. So I'm glad to hear that that's something that's encouraged. That's really neat. Hi, friends. Just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, Annunciation Designs. You've already heard me mention how much I love the baby swaddles and St. Gold shirts. So today I wanted to tell you about Annunciation Designs' newest project, The Wonderlust Catholic, a subscription to a monthly letter exploring a Catholic treasure. Travel along with Bona Therese as she walks the Camino de Santiago, visits Rome, connects with St. Therese and Lisieux, and more. Fun for the family, and beautifully hand-lettered and illustrated, each month's letter will be cherished. Guys, what an amazing way to take a pilgrimage with our kiddos each month in the living room. And if your kids love stories as much as mine do, these letters and stories from character Bona Therese are bound to be a hit. Sign up for just $6 a month. You heard that right just $6 a month at annunciationdesigns.com slash thewonderlistcatholic and use the coupon code diapers15 for 15% off your first three months. That's annunciationdesigns.com or check out the link in today's show notes. I wanted to ask you because my my husband, so he owns a video production company and he recently released a video um of um, a friend of ours, a man, Ryan O'Hara, who he and his wife um, uh, 
struggled with infertility and decided to um, become foster parents and then um, adopt those children as well. And so, so the video basically is saying, um, he's asking people to consider if we're ready for the end to Roe v. Wade. And he's asking people to consider opening their hearts um, to the possibility of becoming a foster or adoptive parent. And um, so I would love to hear a little bit about um, your particular experience as an adoptive mom, but kind of in conjunction with that, um, you also have biological children. And something um, my husband and I have talked a lot about is, um, you know, we have our biological kids. And is there, I mean, I'd like to think that if I, you know, was um, a foster parent or an adoptive parent, that that like love would would be there and would come when we brought that child into our home. But I, it's hard for me to imagine that right now. So I'd love to hear from you as a mom with adoptive and biological children, kind of what that looks like. Sure. <clears throat> and our experience is, um, is a little bit different in the fact that we um, we were able to bring Isaiah into our family from birth. So we were there at the hospital. Um, and so from the day he was, <clears throat> excuse me, the day he was born, we've been his primary caretakers. Um, and, you know, I'll be really honest in saying that um, attachment at the beginning, I think, can be tough. And to be frank, even with my very first child, um, Stella, whenever we brought her home, it took me a while because I kind mm -hmm. of felt like, oh, wow, is this is this my child? And it took me with her. Um, it's not something I talk a lot about because I don't know that it's spoken about a lot, but it took me probably eight weeks or so before I felt like, okay, I am her mom. And so um, with Isaiah, it's it did at first feel a little bit weighty because, you know, I knew um, the pain that his birth mom was going through and the grief that she was feeling. And so it was hard to know that here I am holding this beautiful, precious baby and I'm caring for him and feeding him and, um, and I'm going to be able to take him home from the hospital with me and knowing what she was going through and how much her mm -hmm. heart was breaking did make that a little bit, a little bit challenging. Um, but I think, you know, I don't think it takes, it takes long. Um, at least it didn't for us. And so the attachment has come pretty easily. And now I can't imagine it any other way. I really don't see him differently than my biological children, except for the fact that he looks different than them. Sure. Um, but so, you know, I think God gives us what we need in that moment. Um, and so attachment for me with an infant, um, it did come over time for sure. I think maybe in a foster care situation and when children are older, it's it's probably going to be harder and it's going to take longer. Um, but I think there are just so many things you can do even in the thick of it and when it's hard to start promoting those attachment bonds. And hopefully over time, um, you know, that will change and you will start becoming attached and you can start seeing those children as your own. And I mean, really, when you think about it, we're all adopted. You know, mm -hmm. we've all been adopted by Christ. And so we all have that in common. Um, and yeah. so it's, it's really, it's the sight of heaven. I feel like it's one of the most powerful experiences um, that I've certainly had in my life. And um, I'm just so, so grateful for it. So does your organization work with the adoptive families as well? 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So my role, um, like you said, is I work mostly with expectant parents who want to make an adoption plan. Um, But my colleague, she, Melissa, she works with adoptive families. So we do a whole education process for them, what they can expect with adoption. We cover things like openness, attachment, um, and then we do the extensive home study process as well, which it may look different in different states, but, um, you know, usually consists of several in-home visits and then once placement happens, there are post-placement visits as well. Mm-hmm. And then we also work with families to kind of help them network if they want to work with additional agencies. So if they don't want to work um, solely with Good Shepherd, then we'll help them also work with other agencies too. Okay, great. So if a mom is listening to this and is interested in, um, or maybe for the first time is just considering, oh, maybe I would be open to becoming an adoptive parent. Um, what are some first thoughts that um, you would tell them to consider before pursuing the process? Yeah, so um, the first one is pretty kind of basic, but it will really kind of help you as you start your journey. If someone's thinking about adoption, is just kind of deciding what type of adoption. So are you hoping to de- adopt domestically or are you looking at more of an international adoption? That will really kind of help shape from there. Um, and then I think it's really important to work with a very ethical adoption agency and do some research, talk to maybe other people who have adopted and find out which agencies are providing the type of care that you feel is important for birth parents if you choose to go the domestic route and even internationally, just making sure that you're working with um, an agency that has very, very high standards because while most do or many do, unfortunately, there are agencies um, in the U.S. that aren't doing things um, ethically. And so that is extremely, Mm. extremely important. Um, I would also say that adoption is very expensive. Um, Unfortunately, it's just extremely Mm. expensive. Um, I think the latest numbers that I saw from an adoption magazine that they published was like the average domestic adoption, domestic infant adoption was around $40,000. Wow. So it's it's a lot of money, right. um, but I would say to someone who's considering adoption to not let that stop you. There are agencies that offer sliding scale fees. There are scholarships available. There are grants available. Um, there's also tax credits that can be claimed later mm-hmm. um, too. So don't let that stop you. Um, think about it, um, but become resourceful. There are so many ways to raise funds these days, and a lot of people love to support adoption. Mm-hmm. They may not feel that they personally can adopt, but they would love to help someone else do that. So let those people know and let them in and be part of that story. So don't let that initial research of how much it's going to cost keep you from adopting if you feel like God has you know, is changing your heart and pushing it towards adoption. Um, Just keep going with it um, and talk to other people who have done it because you can see the end of the story in their lives and see that they've brought a child home. And it's so encouraging to know that it does happen and it can happen. And I've seen some amazing um, fundraising (laughs) miracles, frankly, happen. Wow, that's great. I, I love that um, that advice and to not allow the financial shock of the numbers to be, you know, an immediate stopper for uh, for pursuing that. That's so good. Um, and then I wanted to ask you for um, for the moms who are listening 
and, you know, for me included in that, what can we do to promote a culture of life and support for birth mothers and fathers and, and foster and adoptive families as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think so often, sometimes we focus on the problem and not as much the solution. And so I think it's just really raising the awareness of adoption as a life-giving choice and um, just, you know, really elevating how we speak about people who do make the decision to place their children for adoption and letting them know that this is a, a very courageous decision. This is a loving decision that's been made and kind of try to fight against that stigma that adoption has. Um, I just, I still hear it over and over and over again that, you know, women will say, oh, I could never, I could never do that. And we can think about how we speak about adoption even. There's certain language that we've used for years. Like we say, you know, oh, she gave her baby up or she's giving her baby up for adoption. You know, even in the medical world, that's sometimes how it's described. And just instead changing that to, you know, she's making an adoption plan because mm -hmm. that is loving. That shows that she she does have a plan and she does, um, she has thought through the implications of that. And she's thinking about the home that she wants to have for her baby. So, um, and I think, you know, adopt, you know, there are children who, who need homes and it's hard. It's not easy. It's not for everyone, but it may be the right decision for, um, for individuals who are listening to this and to just think about that and to take those next steps, I think is so important. Um, and I think just rallying around people who are adopting. Um, I know that whenever, you know, people adopt, sometimes they encounter, you know, negativity from different people, just it almost seems like with whichever way you go, someone has something to say about right, it. Yeah. And, you know, just, just not, not, not participating in that and just supporting them and trying to help where you can, I think is so, so important. Hmm. That's beautiful. I really love that. So Jessica, how have you seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? Well, <clears throat> this is such a good question because I do feel that the Lord is always working in my life. Sometimes I'm not in a place where um, I'm listening or stopping long enough to observe that, but I really feel like just over the last year, he's given me the ability to, to give more grace to others and has really changed my heart to be more compassionate and to go to compassion when maybe in the past I would have gone to judgment. Um, and so I think he's just really giving me eyes to see others' perspectives and just giving me a softer heart towards others and what they're going through. Mm, beautiful. I love that. And uh, what is your favorite part of your home and why? Oh, gosh. I love my home. I'm so thankful for it. And, um, and I just love it. I would have to say my favorite part is probably our kitchen table, just because so much happens there. You know, the kids are coloring or doing puzzles and we love having company. So sharing meals with others there is just so much fun. I get to hear my kids do their little dinner prayers and they say the funniest things. And so I just, <laughs> I love that part of my home just for the camaraderie we feel in the community and just the conversations that happen there. I can't say that I love it because of the food that's been placed on it because I'm not the best at that. But um, as far as just getting together and sharing it with others, I really like my, my kitchen table. Mm, that's sweet. And that's, that's so important. I think family meals are just Amazing. <laughs> so I love that you said that. 
Um, and what have you been loving recently? Um, so I, this is, oh gosh, I don't know. I love a lot of things, but I have to say something I really have been enjoying. It feels a little um, outdated maybe um, because it's not new and revolutionary, but I love Zumba. Like I love oh, it. Okay. Um, it's, I don't go as often as I would like, but it's just such a great activity for my mental health. I think it's fun. It's, you know, good music and dancing. And in my Zumba class, there are ladies in their 80s and their late 70s doing Zumba. And it just encourages me to be, wow. you know, to think that if they can be doing this, then I can certainly be doing this. So um, I love to just let loose and have a good Zumba class. <laughs> that is so fun. I've done uh, Zumba maybe twice, but um, I had re- a lot of fun both times. And um, so is it something, are you, do you do that regularly for your exercise? I do. Yeah. I have a class that I go to at our gym. Um, I do some other things too, but I really enjoy Zumba and I am amazed by how many calories um, my watch tells me I've burned. So I feel like for, for fun and exercise, it's just the best. That's neat. I really love that. And then my last question for you is, do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's making your life a little easier? Yes. Um, So I don't know if you're (laughs) privy to the fanny pack trend that's happening again. Um, But I'm wearing... I've heard it's coming back. (laughs) Yes. These days I wear a fanny pack um, and I don't even care because I am carrying my purse with no hands and it's awesome and it's small and I can ride my bike with the fanny pack. I can carry diaper bag. I can carry children. When you go on vacation, it's just you're walking around with nothing on your shoulders and in your hands. It's just all right there. So um, I'm a big fan of my fanny pack and I'm not afraid to admit it, apparently. I love that. And um, so do you have like a particular one that you love? Like, have you done research on <laughs> the different kinds? And- well, I can't I can't say I've really researched it a lot, but um, I got the one from Treasure and Bond at Nordstrom because it's a company that gives back and um, it's black and leather. So it's a little edgy. So it's not totally, you know, fluorescent or <laughs> something yeah. like that. Um, so I feel like it's a little bit more mature fanny pack. So okay. To speak. Oh, that's so fun. I love it. <laughs> well, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on and uh, taking the time in the morning to chat with me and just share, share your life. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Amber. Let me go ahead and close this in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time to be together this morning. Thank you for all the moms listening. Um, Thank you especially for all those um, uh, foster parents and adoptive parents and and birth parents and um, the love and the sacrifices and the openness um, they have, Lord, to, to what you're asking them pray that you'd be with them and their families and Lord be with us today and help us to choose you and to choose joy in in what we do today. And Lord, we love you and we offer this in your holy name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi friends, I hope you found this chat with Jessica as encouraging and inspiring as I did. As a reminder, you can enter our Humana Vitae giveaway by sharing your favorite episode of the podcast on Facebook or Instagram and tagging Diapers and Disciples in the post. The giveaway ends November 8th, 2018. 
Thanks for listening in today. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.